Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I've got something a little bit different this week. I've been wanting to do this show for a while, but I thought it would be best timed as a precursor for next week's show, which uh, is all about my new album release, Songs from the Circuit Board. Finally made this album after many years of wanting to make this album, just not finding the right not finding the right touch. You know, I tried many times and I'm like, no, that's not the right feel. That's not the right sounds. It's not, I just couldn't get it together. And some new programs came out that had some sound libraries from the nineties and, uh, you know, that sort of chiptune computer music. And I was able to start putting some stuff together that I thought, okay, yes, this is what I would have written. I think back in that time, had I had the tools and everything that I needed to write music the way that I do now, uh, but in that time frame and the experience and all that. So uh, just a, a quick overview on what that album's going to be. It's basically eight songs, but there's 24 tracks on the album. The first eight songs are the songs done in an 8-bit chiptune mono format. The next eight songs are the same, but done in a full stereo mix uh, with uh, more than like 8-bit effects. So the only effect I used on the 8-bit version was the Super NES Reverb. And uh, and that comes with like a little bit of a chorus and some other things in it. But that was the only thing I used for the 8-bit mono version. For the stereo version, I used regular reverbs, delays, that sort of thing. So basically, if it were mixed in a regular setting and not thinking of mono chiptune music, this is how it would be done. Uh, the third set of songs are the same songs, but completely reimagined as if I had written them today with normal, regular tools and not been limited to whatever 8-bit sounds I had in my library. So um, that's the spectrum of the 24 tracks, and that will be coming out next Wednesday, the 15th. It's going to be released in various locations at various times because of the distributor that I use. I have zero control over that. I just do what I can to get it uploaded early enough to be able to be released and have available somewhere. Usually uh, iTunes and Apple Music is the first place that picks it up. So anyway, that'll be on uh, next week's show and I'll have whatever links are available, I will have in next week's show notes and then uh, just keep an eye on my website uh, for any additional links. So I'll be posting them as I get them. But uh, so part or a big part really of the inspiration behind this coming album was basically that I love computer music. The stuff that people were making in the 90s, especially once the Commodore Amiga came out, which took the place of the 64 and 128 computers, the Amiga 500 and the Amiga, I think it was the 3000. Um, I want to say there was a 2000 or a 1500 or some. There were, I think there were three models of varying pricing. But uh, the 500 was the one that I saved up for and bought. And I was so excited to do it because it had, it was designed, these computers were designed for graphics and audio, as opposed for like IBM computers, which were really for just like general purpose computing. And the games and stuff seemed to be kind of an afterthought and people just did what they could with them. But um, this was something completely different. And uh, I, I really wanted it because I wanted to start you know, writing my own music, maybe finding a different way to play drums or just whatever I could. Um, so while I did play a lot of video games on that system, I also uh, started writing some some music on there. 
uh, mostly just drum patterns and stuff that I wanted to record. And because I didn't have the ability to record my drum set, this was a great alternative. The first song I remember recording drums for was a song called Tiffany, which was on my first album, Origins. Um, and then, uh, of course, I would go on, I think, down the road to replace those with live drums. But uh, what really was interesting about this music is that people were writing in styles that could never be performed. You know, so you were hearing things kind of for the first time because no one had been able to do music like this up to this point. I'm talking about like, you know, crazy scales and all kinds of stuff that would just be physically impossible to play. In computer music, you can make anything happen. I tend to try and make my stuff uh, as realistic as possible that if for whatever reason, a band or somebody ever recorded it, or I wanted to do like a full, you know, hire musicians and record my stuff. Um, I try to make it reasonable for uh, anybody to be able to do that within the confines of most songs. I mean, some of them are just pure crazy synthesizer and sound design, like my um, Haunted Holiday series. So those don't really count. But what was happening here was computer music actually started to get big when computer video games started to get big. Um, there was always or often games had some little, you know, sounds or soundtrack. Um, I remember one of the Atari 2600 games was called Mountain King, and they used the music to In the Hall of the Mountain King at varying volumes to help you through the game. You were trying to find something that was invisible and to help you find it, they had this audio clue. And the closer you got to it, the louder the music would get. And uh, and then they did a very intense version as you tried to get to the top of the mountain that just made the game so much harder to play because the music was insane. Uh, Pitfall 2 was another one that had just a, an incredible uh, soundtrack for as little capacity as they had on an Atari cartridge. Pitfall 2 really pushed the limits of that. Uh, Gyrus was another one using Box, uh, Takata, and Fugue in D minor. Um, that was another one that I, I mainly love that game, I think more because of the soundtrack than the gameplay, although I did really become uh, an avid fan of Gyrus. Um, but in any case, uh, this became huge. So when the Amiga came out, it gave the public the ability to start writing this kind of music and doing whatever they wanted with it. You could you know, download uh, different programs from your bulletin board system because we're talking pre-internet here. We did not have the internet yet. What you would get is you would get a modem like a 2400 or a 9600 baud modem connected to your phone line, other end connected to your computer, hope that nobody picked up the phone to make a phone call and knocked your computer out of the service while you were downloading or anything. You know, it's kind of maddening. Uh, I ended up actually getting my own second phone line for the house just to be dedicated to the computer. Um, it got crazy, man. I got I got pretty intense with it. But uh, this music then became available through those bulletin boards. People would write their songs, just like now, where people write their songs, they put them up on YouTube or, or you know, any of these other uh, streaming services, Apple Music or whatever, uh, through their distributor, or, or they put them on YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever, and, and you could just listen to them. Well, you could do the same thing here. They were called mods.mod was the file type. And you would download a mod player and then you would download mods and hope to God that they were coded properly so that they actually worked after 20 minutes of downloading a song you never heard. Um, it was it was the, the struggle was real. I'll put it that way. Um, but there was also at the time a publication. I don't know if Commodore put it out or if it was a third party company or what, but it was called Amiga Magazine. 
And this talked a lot about the different uh, graphics programs and features of the Amiga, as well as audio. So I got one every month. It came with a disc that had some free songs on it. It had some software examples, sometimes demo versions, sometimes full versions. I'm talking that 1.44 megabytes, uh, you know, uh, three and a quarter, was it three and a half inch or three and a quarter inch um, floppy disk? You know, the one that had the little plastic thing that you could slide if you wanted to write protected, all that stuff. Uh, So you would get one of those and you would get the magazine, but most of the magazine was on the disc. And it was really the beginning of the ability to deliver something that we were used to having, you know, stacks of magazines in our cupboards, on our tables, whatever. Uh, And you could uh, you could fit all this onto this floppy. So it kind of really changed, began began to change the game for magazines. I'm surprised to this day in mid 2022 that we still have so many physical magazines being published. It seems like the Internet and digital distribution would really be the way to go now, but we're not quite there yet. I really thought we would be by now. But in any case, uh, that's where we're at. So computer music became a huge thing. And the video game soundtracks got more and more intense because with by the time Amiga came around, there was a little bit more efficient usage of computer resources. And so you could do more. You had more sounds at your disposal. Um, I don't know how they programmed music on an Atari, but it, it definitely was something that became, I'm sure, much easier when the Amiga came around. So the, these songs that I'm going to play a little bit of for you today were either songs that I got on those discs or songs that I downloaded from various bulletin boards. Um, some of these uh, can be found if you go to YouTube and just type in Amiga Music. You can get some, like some of them are a couple hours long, just one song after another. A lot of them are directly from the video games that they were written for, though. Uh, These that I'm talking about here are more freelance pieces. Some of them were used in games, but uh, these are really more freelance than anything else, Um, at least as far as I know. The problem is, other than saying, hey, go to YouTube and and watch these couple hour long videos, uh, I don't have any other resources to explain who wrote the song, where they came from, to give proper credit, anything like that at all. So I'll leave it up to you guys if there's something that you really like and you want to do the research. I did omit a couple. There were uh, versions of I uh, Just Can't Get Enough and um, Tom's Diner, which I know uh, to be cover songs. I'm not going to go into those because you know those songs. Uh, there may be other covers in this list that I'm not aware of as being other you know versions of other songs. So if that's the case, I apologize. Um, but I there's so little information. Um, we weren't really documenting things back then. And like I said, this is pre-internet. So we're really talking like early 90s. I think I got my Amiga in 91 or 92. I want to say 91. Um, and I just loved that thing. It was the coolest thing in the world. Um, it was the first computer that I could buy, like an expanded hard drive and, and more RAM and um, it was really the start of, of something quite different in, in my world, at least. So um, I'm just going to get into the first song here. Um, this is one that I do remember coming from an Amiga magazine disc, or I'm pretty sure it did. This is called Journey Into Sound. Take a this is a journey into sound. Oh, 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 oh. This is a journey into sound.
So by this time in, you know, the reality of the electronics timeline, we already had video games that were using uh, recorded voice. We had, uh, there was Berserk, um, you know, with, with uh, that robotic sounding voice that was like fight like a human and or fight like a robot and all those things. And then there was a game called Stratavox, which you could hear the, uh, it was it was kind of a take on Defender where you could, the aliens would pick up the humans and you would hear the human yell, help me. And uh, that was also one of those things that when the welcome screen was on the video game, that would hit, uh, hit that every once in a while to kind of entice you to come play the game or check it out and maybe get interested in it. So, uh, but but as far as like home computing and being able to create and do our own things, this is the first time that I'm aware of where we were able to start using those things. I really love whatever that effect is on the piano. Um, you may have noticed right off the bat that there was a, you know, that warm tape hiss uh, accompanying the song before it started. Um, that is because the way that I had to record these was from my Amiga computer out through an Altec, I think it was an Altec mixing board that I had at the time, and then into a cassette deck. And so, you know, all the hiss and stuff is there. I've never taken it out because to me, it's it's part of the charm. It's part of the era. But when I got around to uh, wanting to record a lot of these songs and, and like maybe listen to them in the car or analyze them on different stereo system or whatever, this was how that all began. So uh, that's why there's a little bit of fuzz in there. But it's a cool song. I mean, it's got, you know, a lot of moving parts, a lot of just sounds thrown in, which is very common for this type of music. There's just little things that are layered in there that are pretty cool. And considering the limitations that we had at the time, this is actually some pretty advanced computer programming for, you know, just people making music, um, kind of learning their way. Because again, you know, no internet, we didn't have classes on how to do this. It was like you you read the description of uh, the, the mod player or a song, and you either spent, you know, 20 minutes downloading it or you didn't. And it either worked or it didn't. So a very, very different time in uh in music for sure and um so while this is going on like this is late 80s early 90s so we've got like the grunge scene is starting up and all that um but this was this was definitely something that i really connected with and i think it was part because i bought the system for the music abilities um, but also just because i think it was something so different and unique and fun and showed us all kinds of musical possibilities that we never had before because everything else had to be played by people so unless you multi-layered crazy stuff into it, um, you you weren't going to get music like this. So uh, also different sounds, you know, completely different sounds with the the chiptune sets that they had at the time. Um, you know, the the way that the guitars were distorted, everything sounded so electronic. But at the same point, it's just it was just something different and unique at the time. And I think that's why a lot of people fell in love with it. I mean, this is why there's to this day two hour YouTube videos uh, showcasing this music. Uh, really cool stuff. And then, of course, as you know, the system's built up by the time you get to Super NES and you've got like the Donkey Kong Country soundtracks, they're full on scored, um, but really, really cool. And this is really the beginning, I think, the origins of of that for the home screen, uh, because up to this point, we only had it in the arcade. So it was really cool stuff. Um, our next song, and I, I also think this came from one of those Amiga Music Magazine discs. Again, I'm not 100% positive. But I think that was the case. This is simply called Synth Song.
This one's a lot of fun for me because this is similar to some of the songs that I would go on to write down the road, similar style anyway. You know, uh, just those sort of moving instrumentals that have a good beat to them, have that pad sound thickening things up in the background. Um, definitely something that um, I, I don't know if this song directly influenced me, but this was before I was really writing my own stuff. I didn't have my sequencer yet. I didn't even have my my Casio and, and four track yet, although I was not far away from borrowing uh, some instruments for my first recording or my second recording by the time that this stuff was was entering my life. But I will say it, it certainly did have a profound influence on me. And I think this song does definitely fit the style of, of a lot of stuff that I've written. So uh, again, you know, kind of why I'm doing this, because this is really a, a, not an extremely early influencer, because I was like, what, uh, like 18, 19, I think. Um, I, I want to say probably 19 when I bought my Amiga. So you know, I certainly already had a musical foundation, but this was really a whole new world. Much like when I first discovered Cirque du Soleil music, it was just a whole door of possibilities and things that I had never considered possible. So that brings us to our next song, which is called The Eight Channel Demo. This is another one that's just got such a great flow to it. It's moody. I love the sounds they chose, the pads as well as the melodic parts. Uh, normally in, in a song, if there were this many hand claps, it would just bug the living shit out of me and I would hate the song, but it actually works really well here. Plus it's subtle. It's in the background. It feels more like a snare than it does claps. So I think that kind of helps alleviate that potential annoyance. But this is such a cool piece. I love the transitions of it. I love the mood of it, the feel of it. This is one I've listened to many, many times over and over. And it's it's such a well-written song. Um, I really wish I knew who the people were that that did these so I could explore maybe what else they've done. Because there's and, and some of these might even be the same people. I, I honestly don't know. Um, except for one potential series, I'm really not sure. But uh, anyway, this is definitely a favorite of mine. Um, a lot of fun. I have a great time with it every time that I, I listen to it. Um, this next one is simply called Fairlight. And I don't know if there was a replica or simulation of some type of the Fairlight synthesizer that may be the inspiration. It could be not relevant to this at all. I have no idea what all the instruments were that they were using because the only one I ever really remember finding was drums. I don't actually remember writing anything melodic. I think around the time that I found the drums uh, was when I started borrowing uh, my friend Doug's Casio keyboard that I would eventually go on to buy. 
and would borrow his his Tascam 234 4-track, uh, which I would also go on to buy. And then from my buddy Brian uh, up in Denver, I bought a small sound system. It was a couple of speakers, a Hafler power amp, and I think the mixer, the mixing board that I mentioned earlier was an Altec. Um, or maybe the speakers were Altec. I don't remember. It's been so long. Um, but it was a pretty cool system. And um, yeah, it, it was, I, I'm pretty sure around the time I actually started working uh, as as someone who wanted to be an aspiring writer, I'm pretty sure that I had gotten the Casio by then. But the the drums I used on a couple of songs that I, I used in combination with the Casio, but I don't think I ever actually had any music writing programs other than that one drum program that I can't even recall what it was called. <laughs> so long time ago, but I did listen to a lot of music through the mod player. I think that was probably the thing I used most on that computer was the mod player. Um, also where I started playing games like Zork. No, nope. That was the Commodore. Never mind. Or the, the Commodore 64. I take it back or the, yeah. Yep. That was the Commodore 64. I started playing the Infocom games on the TI 99 a I was playing Scott Adams games on, um, I've had a no, I've, I think I've had more computers than I've had cars in my life. Um, for someone who's who's <laughs> creeping up on fifty years old, what did I I figure the other day? I think I've had eight cars. You know, my my current car I've had for uh, nineteen years. So not huge on buying vehicles and having car payments, but, but that's just me. I, I'm more of a computer guy, I guess. So uh, here's a little bit of Fairlight. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole song. It's not even a minute long, but what a journey. It's got energy. It's got changes. It's got really cool parts in it. And then it just ends. I, I don't know if the composer ever went on to write more or if this was maybe part of a larger body of work or meant for a short scene in a video game or something. I have no clue, uh, but it's a cool piece. It's, it's really got a lot of energy. It just comes in, boom, right off the bat and and really has a great impact. And then it's just over before you know it, which is a shame. I think there's a lot of really cool parts packed into that. And uh, that's really the only song uh, that I know that's quite like that. So uh, again, uh, a random entity that I found a little gem to play for you guys on the show. And that brings us to our next one, which is a ballad. And I know that because it's called Ballad.
Yeah, this is a lovely piece. Um, it, it's really just very simple, you know, piano and, and some strings. Um, what's nice is even in this early version of making music at home on your computer, that piano's got a really nice decay. Um, I don't know if it was adjustable or what you could do with it, because I don't think, like I said, I ever had uh, the instruments to actually write with. But um, it really has like a nice natural decay to it. Um, it's a really beautiful flowing piece. Uh, I've often thought about recreating this one or or maybe even just like trying to find like a, an audio to MIDI converter and then running it through like a more modern piano and, and string pad or something um, just to see what it would sound like. Because I, I think it's such a beautiful piece that unfortunately is lost with the quality of audio that I have on it. Um, but it's it's just a beautiful flowing piece. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of piano anymore just because I've heard so much done on piano, but this is a piece that I think is, uh, one that really stands out as, as a, a favorite and, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you guys like it too. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Uh, the next song is called altar of light. And there was a feature on the mod player that I had, and I don't remember specifically, what it was called, but it basically would take your song and slow it down without changing the pitch. Um, you could basically play the song at two different speeds. And I, 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 the, the word for it is on the tip of my brain. I just can't think of what it's called. But um, yeah, it was, it was a really cool feature. So you could have two different versions of the same song. So uh, here is one called Altar of Light that I, I really love the feel and the sound and just the, the environment of this piece. So it sounds like a bit of a Native American flute in there. And, you know, and, and I should be fair, I don't know that all of the sounds that we're hearing are from, you know, whatever programs that were made available. They may have had uh, audio recording devices. I know the Amiga was capable of that. Um, I don't think I ever worked with it, but the uh, it, it had audio input. So I know that it was certainly possible to to you know, take a, a mixing board and plug it in, record live instruments to it. I don't know how all that worked because, like I said, I never did that. But uh, that that flute sounds pretty amazing, I have to say, if that was something that was computer-based samples. But uh, it's a cool piece. It's got some really cool layers. I just love the feel of it. But this is one that had, you know, I, I, I remember recording at two different speeds. So just to give you an idea of what that was like, interlacing, I think it was called. I think if you hit the button, it was called interlacing or interweave, and it changed the pitch of this or the speed of the song without changing the pitch. So here's a, an example of that with the same song, Altar of Light.
So you notice something right off the bat. Obviously, the the synth is ping ponging between the left and the right ear, um, almost to the point of annoyance, to be honest. Uh, the bass drum is not as powerful and punchy. It sounds a little more computer chip than it did uh, before. So there are some subtle differences to the music, uh, but it, it's definitely slower and it does speed up as as the song goes on. And eventually, I think it actually surpasses the tempo of the original. But it's it's a pretty cool feature and you get to hear songs done a different way, sometimes slowing them down or maybe splitting them between the ears would help people figure out how it was constructed or maybe just learn something about the writing process or, or who knows, you know, but a really cool uh, feature to be able to do that. So uh, that brings us to our, our next song, which is another one. This was just fun. I've actually just put, you know, put this on my iPod through my electronic drum kit and played along to it because it's just such a fun groove. This one is called Deep, Deep Ocean. I just love that song. It's again, it's just another one that's got such a great flow to it. It's got parts that change. It's interesting. It's got some really cool layers to it. And yet it's kind of simple at the same time, you know, uh, but a really killer drum beat. I, I love that. I love playing along to it. It's a little challenging because you don't normally play that way on the hi-hat, but uh, a lot of fun nonetheless. And uh, this is another song that, you know, sometimes when I just want to listen to this style of music, this is one of the first ones that I'm likely to put on. Uh, but definitely, like I said, it's it's a lot of fun to just play along to as a drummer. So uh, that's my take on things. Now, the next four pieces are all titled similar, which is the, the series I referred to earlier, which I believe might be the same composer. But then again, you know what? It could be a compilation of different artists 
doing uh, part their own like parts in the series. The series is called Mod Awesome. And I've got, uh, I'm sorry, it's only three different pieces that I have from it. The first one, uh, I don't know why they came up in this order, but the first one is Mod Awesome 3. You could definitely feel the the programming side of it, right? Because the notes are so consistent and, um, you know, from one to another, it really feels like they're individual notes, which a normal, like a guitar player or a synth player wouldn't quite sound like that. But listen to the quality of the sounds. I mean, that that distorted guitar is really cool. They're using um, some pitch bends or mod wheel, which is uh, is also very cool. They might just be using controlling numbers to do that, you know, just actually programming everything. But in any case, it's a lot of fun. It's a really energetic song. It's got a good drum beat to it. Uh, it's got some interesting sounds to it, but some great solo work as well. I kind of feel like uh, I'd be, uh, what is it, like a game where I'm driving a car like pole position or, or something where you're, you're racing through the streets, maybe not pole position because that's too slow, but it actually preceded this music. So uh, yeah, yeah, another cool song. Now, I remember there were probably like nine or 10 songs available under this mod awesome heading but i i only liked a handful of them at the time so i only saved like these couple um i i wish i could go back and listen to the other ones because i might feel differently about them now but i never saved them so um that's the end of that for me unless again i happen to come across some youtube video or something random that that they stumble back into my life so that was awesome three here is a taste of awesome five
Definitely some harsh panning on this one with the drums being all the way over in my left ear and the synthesizer lead being all the way over in my right ear and, and very imbalanced volume wise. Um, that synth is quite a bit louder than the, the drums, which I mean, it makes sense that you, you would want drums like that in the background a little bit, but like the, the synth is so overbearing in volume in comparison to the two. So it kind of throws my equilibrium off a little bit to listen to, but it's a really cool piece. Again, Another one that just has a great mood to it. It feels like space to me for some reason. Um, you know, something that that would be played behind a like a movie scene or a video game scene where they're traveling in space. I don't know why that's just what what comes to mind. But again, that's the beauty of music. Um, you know, you can interpret things any way you want. It doesn't even necessarily matter what the composer intended. As long as you feel something, that's the most important part. Uh, so that leads us to the the last song in the trilogy of Mod Awesome, and this one is simply called Mod Awesome. This is another one of my favorites for sure. I've listened to this one many, many times. Again, a great mood to it. Lots of changes, uh, really interesting dynamic to the song. Just so many cool things about it. I love the sounds that they pick too, that snare that kind of repeats and fades out there that we just heard. Um, but, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's so much like pop or rock and roll where it's it's basically, you know, based on uh, riffs and patterns and things that, that you would hear in regular music. and there there's some that are mean you know just beyond what would normally be playable especially with certain instruments but um it's certainly you know very catchy stuff i i find anyway um some emotional like ballad um but some you know a, a little more similar in style to mainstream writing just with a you know computer chip tune sound um i do have an interlaced version of this which i'll play for you a, a little bit as well So unlike the other one, uh, Ultra of Light, when we heard the uh, the interlaced version, it really kind of changed the sound a little bit, didn't it? 
this one's really the same sound, just a little bit slower. And it's cool because you can hear a little bit more about what's going on. You can you can pick out some more of the dynamics. I love that little chittering background synth uh, in the in the back there. Um, really cool. Probably just a simple arpeggio, I would imagine. But it's it's just got that right frequency that fills in the the sound gap because it's really kind of a dark piece of music. Uh, lots of fun. Really love that one. Uh, that and Deep Deep Ocean, probably my my favorites, my more go-to pieces. I hate saying favorites because, you know, that could change every five minutes. But I would say the ones that I listen to the most or when I think, you know, I kind of want to dig into that Amiga music bin that I've got. Those are the first two songs that I usually go for. So uh, we're going to end on a little bit weird of a note. This one is called Sad ba- Mo. Mod sad ballad, and I say mod because again, uh, a lot of times they would they would do mod because there might have been more than one format. So uh, to denote that it was a mod first, let you know what player to use or whatever, uh, and then the title. So mod sad ballad. That's it. That's all there is. And that is the sad part because it's actually pretty cool. I don't really think it's that sad. I think it's it's kind of melancholy for sure, but there's definitely a, a little bit of feeling of optimism in here, you know, even at the beginning. Um, so I I don't personally I don't find it to be that sad of a of a ballad, but it is a nice piece of music. I, again, I, I really like that um that pan flute. Uh, that might be a synchif patch. I'm not sure, but it sounds good anyway. It really works well with uh with this. Nice, uh, strong beat, maybe a little bit out of balance in the mix, but not by much. Overall, a pretty cool piece. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to share this music with you guys because it's something that, you know, maybe in a lot of realms kind of forgotten about or never noticed in the first place. Um, unless you were one of those people that was playing games or, or you know, really getting into the mods or something out on Amiga, this, this whole style may have passed you by completely. So uh, as a precursor to songs from the circuit board, I thought it would be cool to just reminisce a little bit and share some of these songs with you that are some of my favorites, certainly show the capacity of what we were able to do in the early 90s with computer music at home. Uh, I don't know, some of these may have been professionally done. I couldn't tell you, don't judge by the sound quality, because again, this is me running the Amiga out through a mixer into a tape deck. Uh, because that's the only way that I had to save the songs at the time. Um, even if I had the mods now, I couldn't do anything with them unless there's some sort of PC, um, you know, mod to audio converter that I, I haven't seen. Very po- To be honest, I haven't even looked. So it, it is possible that's out there, but I don't have the mods. So why would I bother? But really cool stuff, guys. Um, I'm sure that there's more information out there. I don't really have any links to share in the show notes on this, except just uh, that I listed the songs in case you want to research any of them. But really, um, you know, I I know that there are some um, like, you know, retro Amiga sites that you could dig into. They've they've also brought a version of the Amiga back, which is interesting. I haven't dug into what it does or what it requires, but they they have kind of made a, a reproduction of the Amiga. So, uh, you know, take a look for that. If that's something that interests you, I don't really think I'd need one again. Uh, but I mean, it, it would be nostalgic for like a day or two. And again, if I don't have the same games or the same programs, then 
you know, even that wouldn't be that much fun. So, uh, but it, but it's cool that they brought it back. I, I like that. I like that things that were not available for a long time for people to experience are back. And especially if you're one of those uh, people who loves the history of computers, it's definitely something worth checking out. But that's our show for this week, guys. That's the taste of, uh, you know, computer music made on an Amiga, whether it be the, the 500, the 2000 or the 3000 or whatever that middle model was. Uh, that's that's it. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Please join me next week as I dig into my newest album, number 30, Songs from the Circuit Board. In the meantime, guys, I don't know if there's a Saturday episode this week because I'm kind of recording this early. But uh, if there is, great. If not, I will see you on Wednesday for the next episode. And we'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.